Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Today, we are joined by Brandon Leibowitz and uh, excited for him to share a little bit about uh, SEO and his journey and uh, his perspective with us today. So, Brandon, do you mind introducing yourself to the audience? Thanks for having me on today. My name is Brandon Leibowitz, and I've kind of been involved with digital marketing since 2007, got my degree in business marketing, and first job I got out of school was helping out a company with their digital marketing. And ever since then, just really kept going with it. I realized back then everyone's probably going to have a website and there's a lot of different ways to get traffic to that website. But I really focused on SEO, which is search engine optimization, which is tapping into Google's free traffic. So I thought, who doesn't want free traffic? And just focused on that over the years. We're getting different advertising agencies and on the side, before work, after work, on lunch breaks, I'd work on my own company and built it up to where I was able to quit my job and focus solely on this. Nice. What uh, what inspired you to go kind of the entrepreneurial route and uh, owning your own company? I'm not too sure. Always had that entrepreneurial spirit growing up. I had like a little skateboard company in high school, selling like clothes and stuff like that. And kind of let that go when I went to school. Should have focused on that when I went to college, but just focused on college instead. And didn't really focus on that company that, was fo- that I built up. But looking back, I kind of wish I did. But entrepreneurial spirit's always been in my blood. So wanted to create a company. And after I graduated from college, after working, doing the digital marketing for a couple months, I just realized I could pick up freelance clients. I could go to like a restaurant or any local business and hey, talk to them, see if they want to be on the top of Google, which was a lot tougher back then in 2007 versus now. People didn't understand why do I want to be on Google? What's SEO? But I was able to build it up to eventually get it going and be able to quit my job and said, all right, let me just keep going with this. I like helping people out and watching their businesses grow. That's awesome. Was that uh, was that entrepreneurial spirit part of your family or were you kind of uh, the first one that kind of had that bug and went in your own direction? I think I was probably the first one in my immediate family that had that bug and just wanted to just have that flexibility and freedom to travel and go more places. And luckily with that CEO, there's not much overhead. So there's not many fixed costs I have. I don't have a factory or anything. So I'm able to kind of just pick up and take off and go anywhere for the most part, as long as there's internet. You just got to be connected, right? Digital nomad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as you were building up the company and you reached that point of profitability, right? Didn't have to worry about roof over the head, food on the table. What was your strategic framework in terms of how you allocated that profit uh, in your business and in your life? Um, probably for my business, building it up and well, learning more. So spending some money on like more classes and courses and trying to just learn because there's no real official school. I mean, maybe there might be some colleges that offer it nowadays, digital marketing, but back then there wasn't really any professional classes. So it's just really learning on your own. And sometimes there's like these gurus that have courses. So investing in my own self and trying to learn more. And then with, well, luckily with what I do, there's not much overhead. So I could get a nicer computer, which I got a nicer, faster computer because that helps out bigger monitor. So I could be more efficient, but Learn that. Luckily, there's not much overhead for SEO. And for myself, maybe just would go to a little bit nicer restaurants, but eat like the fast food anymore since I was just coming out of college and 
didn't have much money. So I was able to go to a little bit nicer places and travel a little bit more, spend some extra money. I was, so that was always a nice part of it, but I was always working full time and doing this on the side until I built it up to where I was making same amount, if not more, that I was making at these advertising agencies for a couple of years. So it's not like I just jumped ship right when I was profitability. So I was able to kind of like double dip at the same time. Nice. And how'd you go about, uh, what was the investment like to build client base, I guess, and marketing? And how did you manage or think through, uh, you know, how much you reinvest to try to build the client pool uh, and what that does to your time uh, with that, you know, extra profit? I would invest in different strategies of ways to get leads, but the best seems to be just running paid ads on Google. Those work really well. Doing SEO, ranking my own website on Google is how I get a lot of leads, but there's only so many keywords. Like you can't rank for every single keyword in all these different locations. So sometimes you need to run paid ads and they do work as long as you're making a positive return on your investment. But yeah, I invest in the ads, testing out different strategies on different ads, like Google ads, Facebook, Instagram, all these other platforms, YouTube, just seeing what works, pushing more money to that, pulling money away from what's not working and just constantly just testing, seeing what what's going to be the best return. So with the extra income, as you walked away, did you start investing in things personally as well? Kind of what, what was the mindset shift? Uh, it sounds like the business is kind of up and running. Uh, you're ranking high on SEO, which creates nice organic traffic for you. Um, what do you, what do you invest in and kind of what's your vision for where you want to go in the future? Yeah. So I put some money away in stocks and 401k and things like that. So put a little bit in there in the stock market. Also bought a house for investment property and use that as a rental property to just hopefully make some extra passive income, not really making too much off of it, but breaking even, which is not bad. So as long as I'm not losing money, it's all good. So, but real estate, I think is a good one. It's just tough around Los Angeles or in California in general. It's really, really, really expensive over here. So it's a little tougher, maybe like maybe thinking out of state. I've thought about that, but it's kind of tough to manage. So not sure where to put that money, but I feel like real estate is always a good place because especially in California, I feel like it's always going to go up the prices, especially in LA where I live. I don't see the prices dropping. Maybe in other parts of the country, they might fluctuate, but LA, I feel like it's just, there's not enough housing and there's always too many people that want to move out here. Nice. And in buying that investment property, was that something you just did on your own in the surrounding area or was there you know, a mentor or someone who kind of coached you into, you know, hey, this is an area that you should look into and would make sense uh, for your portfolio? Uh, so that one was a little bit of my parents gave me some advice. They were involved with real estate when they moved out to California a few years before I was born. So they saw like different areas like Manhattan Beach was really cheap. Now it's extremely expensive to live in Manhattan Beach, but they saw where it was actually affordable for people to move there. So they kind of guided me to stay like west of this 405 freeway and try to stay in areas that seem good. So I found a city called Lawndale, which is a block or two away from Manhattan Beach. So hopefully Manhattan Beach spills over and becomes like, or does it, but Manhattan Beach becomes like Lawndale or builds it up. So we'll have to see who knows, but just trying to definitely strategically looking, not trying to just pick any random plus spot. Want to pick somewhere closer to the ocean. So hopefully it'd have that more, more of an appeal and prices will appreciate a little bit quicker. Nice. What's uh, what's the most exciting thing that you're working on currently? 
um, just for my business, just trying to get maybe my skateboard company that I started, not the same one I started in high school, but started another company a couple of years ago. because so I've helped all these other businesses out over the years, helping them grow. So I was like, how about I follow my passion and help myself out and create a page on social media, on Instagram that grew to a couple hundred thousand followers on Instagram. So built that up, built that up and realized I should monetize it and make a product. So I started making the bearings that go in the wheels of skateboards. So we'll see how that turns out. But that one is on the back burner because it's more of a passion project. The SEO is really what I've focused on solely or mainly, but want to get that skateboard company up and running. So we'll see. What's uh, what's the vision for where that company will go? So it sounds like, and how does someone come to decide that they're going to produce bearings, uh, you know, straight away? No, it's just everything else is saturated. There's too much competition and everything else. So bearings don't have that much competition. So I thought, let me, let me try to jump into that one. But yeah, it's just, it all comes down to competition for marketing in general, like SEO, the more competition, the tougher it is to rank on Google. So I thought in general, the more competition in business, the tougher it's going to be. So let me find something a little less competitive. And that was those bearings. Nice. And where do you see growing that company? And where do you want to take uh, take the skateboard company? Will it focus on bearings and you know for the foreseeable future? Or do you see it expanding? Possibly expanding. Make it like make a skate park would be pretty nice. Have like a little indoor park. And I'm not sure, but... Something was as long as it's with skateboarding, I'll be happy. It doesn't matter which direction it goes. It's probably going to bounce around, but the bearings definitely for now, for the time being, will be the main focus. So I take it skateboarding was a big part of your childhood growing up. Yep, love skateboarding. Still enjoy it. Don't do it as much as I used to, but try to go skateboarding every once in a while, just a little bit. Nice. Um, if you were to give advice to entrepreneurs who are reaching this point of profitability and trying to figure out, you know, what direction they go, what, what would you tell them in terms of the place of where to start? Um, just be patient and just try to like start thinking, like put yourself in the user or your customer's point of view. If you were looking for your product or service, where would you go? Are you going to go on Google, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn? Because a lot of people think they need to be everywhere, but you just need to be where your audience is. Otherwise, you're going to just spread yourself way too thin and try to be being everywhere. It's tough unless you have a big team. But if you're just one person or just a small business, you just need to really focus on who your audience is and how I get in front of them at the right moments. What would uh, what tips would you give for someone who's trying to identify where that audience is? Right. Obviously, you play in the digital world. You know how to rank things. Uh, you know, optimize for uh, that search. For those who are trying to figure out you know, what, what the competition is and is it saturated, non-saturated in the digital space? Is there a way they can go about that uh, and learning that easily? I mean, probably the easiest is just search on Google. Google's going to show you everything and whoever is on that first page of Google, that is your competition. So if you're planning to sell t-shirts and you search on Google, if it's like Walmart and Target and Costco and Amazon, all these big corporations appear, that's who your competition is. That's who you're competing with online. So that's a quick, easy way. Just search on Google. And if it's a bunch of corporations, maybe hold back. Unless you're a big corporate corporation, then you could go for it. But if you're a small, medium business, you need to find other websites that are similar in size to you. So when you're searching, you want to see small mom and pop shops, not just big corporate websites. Because if you just see it dominated by big corporate websites, either that's a bad keyword, maybe you need to do more keyword research, or 
that's just a really saturated market. There's a lot of different ways to do keyword research. There's free tools like the Google Keyword Planner. It's a free tool that Google gives out that will show you with like, you put one keyword in there and it'll show you hundreds, thousands of other words that are related to it. And it'll show you how many people search for that keyword every single month. So you quickly see, is this a good keyword? Let me check it out. If only 10 people search for it a month, maybe it's not the best keyword, but then Google will show you like synonyms and plurals and other variations that might find one that has 5,000 searches every single month. That might be a good one. Then I would search that into Google and see who shows up on that first page of Google just to make sure it's not dominated by those big corporate websites. What's a good baseline in your mind of, uh, you know, what a keyword search uh, should be generating to have it be worthwhile? Yeah, that one is a little tricky because sometimes I look at the Google Keyword Planner and the numbers don't really align. So, and even sometimes zero search volume keywords get people's awareness. So, or new trends emerge. So I think half of the searches nowadays on Google are brand new searches that Google's never seen before. So because of like voice search, people just speak into their phones. It's a whole different way of searching. So when you're looking at search volume, if it shows that there's 10 people that search for it, that keyword, but you know, if you get one of those people that sign up, you're going to make a big return on your investment. Maybe it is worthwhile going for those, but in general, you don't want to target those really, really small, low search volume keywords. Probably a hundred or more searches a month is good, but that's just throwing it out there. It really depends on that profitability of those keywords that you can monetize. So in your mind, you're you're essentially buying keywords to do the Google ads to uh, help index uh, and create and find customers uh, is what you're recommending. Yeah, or doing SEO. So instead of running paid ads, you use the Google Keyword Planner to get ideas of what keywords to put in your website, what type of blog post to write for your website, because then that content is hopefully going to rank for those keywords. I mean, there's a lot of other variables that go into it, but if you can't rank, then you can just bid on those keywords, which is why Google gives you that free tool because it's not really for SEO. That tool is really for paid ads. So you could see if I'm going to, if like, let's say I want to bid on the keyword SEO company and 10,000 people search for it every single month, I could kind of get an idea of how much of the budget I should allocate if 10,000 people search for it and the average cost per click, which they'll also show you is might be $50 per click. Then you could do the math and say, all right, I spend a lot of money because this is very expensive, this keyword. Any other tips or tricks from your experience that, uh, you know, as, as you work with your clients, maybe, you know, one of the, um, the, the biggest mistakes that you see most frequently or the areas that you're addressing, uh, you know, what are those pain points so that we can, you know, listeners can see, you know, is that something that I'm struggling with that I can go to Brandon to, to get some help on? I mean, there's a lot that goes into Google. There's over 200 variables that go into their ranking algorithm, but some pieces are a lot bigger than others. And one really important thing is adding more text. Like Google feeds off text. They can't read images or videos yet. They're trying to, they're getting better at it, but they really rely heavily on text. The more text you have on every single page on your website, the easier it is for Google to read, understand, and know what keywords you're targeting. But add the more pages you have, the more keywords you could target because each page can only really target about three to five keywords. After that, it kind of loses relevancy. So create as many pages as you can that are relevant. Don't just create random pages, but create pages targeted to specific keywords and add content to those pages. And that will definitely get you ranking higher in Google organically with their SEO. 
Does the text all have to be visible or can you embed it in metadata or something behind the scenes to you know, help with the algorithm? Yes, I know most people don't want to put a bunch of text on their page. And usually you want to put about 400 words or more. The more text you put, the better, the easier it is for Google to read all that text and understand it because they're just a dumb robot. They're just an algorithm. They're not that smart yet. They're getting better, but they need you to spoon feed as much as possible. But if you hide that text, and they see you doing that, that's called, or that would be gaming the system and they would potentially penalize you. And instead of ranking higher, they'll drop you down. So what I always tell people is just throw the text at the very bottom of your page because you got to think most people never scroll down on a website. It's kind of weird, but 70% of people will never scroll down on a website or swipe on mobile. So having all your really important information, it's called above the fold. I mean, a call, good call to action, strong value proposition, letting people know what's in it for me, all above the fold for people to see is great. And then at the very bottom, you can have all that text. So it looks good aesthetically for people. And then at the bottom, it's for Google to see all that content because again, most people will never scroll down. Just don't hide it in font size 0.001. And if your background is white, don't make it white text because Google will penalize you for that stuff. And we don't want you to get it penalized. Fascinating. So it's almost like you're not designing web pages for the consumer as much as uh, you are for the algorithm. Obviously, you need both, but uh, uh, the priority of that algorithm uh, seems to be creeping creeping up. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. It's like a balancing act. Like web developers and SEO have always kind of been back and forth. Like, we don't want to put all this text here. We got to build the website like this because Google's not going to be able to read it. And you spend all this money, you could make the best quickest, fastest loading website, but if it's not optimized or if Google can't read it, they're not going to rank you organically and you're not going to be able to get that free traffic from SEO. Fascinating. Um, you mentioned the first page of Google. Uh, how how important is first page versus second page versus fifth page uh, in terms of impact with uh, consumers? Well, definitely want to try to get as high up as possible because most people don't go too far down and Unless it's like something really specific, like a SKU number for like a battery for a watch or something, you might search and search and search. But in general, most people are only going to click that first one. So you want to try to be up as high as possible for those keywords. Makes sense. As we're uh, approaching the end of time, Brandon, any last words of advice or feedback that you want to leave with the audience? Uh, with SEO, it's not immediate. It's a long-term play. A lot of people get discouraged when they don't see immediate results, but got to keep building it up and building it up and building it up and it takes time. So don't get discouraged if you don't see yourself just shooting up the rankings. If you make all these changes or add all this text, it takes time for Google to readjust their algorithm and trust you more. So just be patient with it all. And as long as you do the right things, don't be deceptive. Don't try to trick Google. They'll reward you and you'll start seeing those rankings move up. Nice. What's the best way for listeners to be able to connect back with you? Yeah. So everyone that's listening, I created a special gift for them on my website. If they go to seooptimizers.com, that's S-E-O-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash gift. And they can find that there along with my contact information. And if they want to book some time on my calendar, happy to give them some free feedback and a website analysis on their website and from an SEO point of view of what's working, what's not working and how to get from that next level. And also there's a bunch of classes I put up there that are all for free that our cover SEO, social media, paid ads, and kind of everything in between. So if they want to learn more, like watch all those courses there for free. 
Awesome. Appreciate that value add for the audience and, uh, you know, appreciate you coming on and sharing your perspective. We'll make sure we put all of that uh, into the show notes uh, so that the listeners can go and find that uh, easily. So appreciate the time today, Brandon. Yeah. Thanks for having me on today. Thank you for joining us today on the Prosperity Perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to theprosperityperspective.com where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners, like yourself, diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps toward your financial success. 